You're listening to Terrifying True Stories. Can a building hold the memories or imprints of the things that happened there? You're about to meet someone that lived in a historic bank building. In 1876, it was robbed by the notorious American bank robber, Jesse James. Now, this isn't what makes his story interesting. What makes his story interesting is the entity that he encountered that wouldn't let him leave. I call this one Can't Get Out. My name's Eric Summers. I was working and living in a small town called Northfield, Minnesota. I was working for the Northfield News there. About this this town, this little town of Northfield, Minnesota, it has two really high-end uh, liberal arts universities in it, St. Olaf College and Carleton College. Carleton is kind of the Midwest Harvard to a lot of people. Uh, it's really tough to get into a really expensive school. And that other school is no joke either. It's a little bit different than like your average town of 12,000 people. One of the things that's sort of unique about it is it had this bank early on in the expansion of American history. And that's kind of the lead into the story here because this bank got robbed in 1876 uh, by Jesse James and his gang, Jesse and Frank James and his gang. I lived upstairs in the old bank building. It looks quaint now. It does. It's the only, it's the first word that comes to mind, but that's because the town has gone to great lengths to make itself, especially its downtown, very quaint looking. Um, it's got this really pretty square in front of it with a, you know, a sort of Civil War victory statue right next to a dammed river uh, that has, a, you know, an old mill across from it. So it, and it's all these old trees around. So it looks really quaint. But if you get up close and you can sort of take out the 1930s popcorn wagon and the happy smiling people and the, you know, sort of faux 1930s lighting fixtures on the lamp poles. If you can take all that out and just look at the building, it's really imposing. Even though it's only two stories tall, um, they're two really tall stories. I mean, it had immensely high ceilings and really tall sort of deep set windows. It was, it was just, just great. Um, but the building itself from the outside is built like a fortress. They have uh, apartments upstairs, um, and I was living in one of them. Being upstairs at night, you know, the building sort of creaks and settles, sort of ornate chandelier-type lighting. And when I came home one night, it was late at night. Came home, went upstairs, ate, fed the cat, changed. Decided to take out the trash. I took out the trash. It, um, so coming out of my apartment, there's these big wide hallways, but then there's a really steep and fairly narrow stair going straight down. And in the hallway widens out. And at the bottom of the stairs, you can either sort of go outside or make a U-turn and go back along what is the west wall of the building to the trash room um, where there, there's a steel door there. And it's kind of under the stairs at this point. Um, it's not really under it, but it feels like it's under it because the stairs are rising so steeply beside you. And then it's just a regular old steel door. The trash room had one of those doors that you could not lock from the inside. Like it closed automatically behind you and you needed a key to enter it from the outside. You needed the same key, like, you know, any apartment building. 
but you couldn't lock it behind yourself. Like there was no way to actually lock the door. And I went in the trash room and there were motion sensor lights in the trash room. They, uh, you know, again, this is all standard equipment in American apartment buildings. You know, you don't have to fumble around for the light switch. You open the door and the light turns on. You go in, you throw your trash in, you turn around, you leave. I did the first part. And when I turned around to leave, uh, I couldn't get out. As I said, it's one of those doors that you can't lock. So you, you, you kind of walk into a door like that, right? I, it was like all one motion. I was turning the handle and taking a step with my left foot at the right at the same moment. And then the door didn't open and I, you know, kind of banged into it and came to a complete and dead stop. Like, that's really weird. Why isn't the door working? Doors are always supposed to work. And then the lights went out and nothing I could do would make the lights, no motion, nothing. It was weird. And then it got cold. I, I was up here a lot as a kid. I lived here for a while as a child. I know cold. It got cold in that room, man. And uh, then I did start to freak out. If I'd been able to see anything, there's no windows, of course. It's pitch black in that room. If I'd been able to see, I'm sure, you know, my breath would have been coming out in great you know, vaporous clouds, if you'd been able to see it. I still can't account for that. There's... There's no physics that, you know, <laughs> allows for that localized phenomena of climate just in a six by 12 trash room. It's like, I, I can't think of one anyway. It was the middle of the night. It was late at night, you know, started shouting. Uh, nobody could hear me. I didn't think anyone would be able to hear me. That, that room was buried in the bowels away from any apartment in a thick old stone walled building. Uh, but that didn't make it any better. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I kind of lost it. Help! There's no real words to describe what I felt like uh, at that moment. Um, I've never really been able to fully express in English or even any language <laughs> what that felt like, but... Was this if the ground opened up under my feet for a second there? Uh, and I, I, I was reduced to almost tears, really. Um, I, was, I, was, I was losing it. I just, the halfway confident person you hear talking now was <laughs> absolutely gone from the scene. And I was a shaking mass of terrified jelly. And by the end of it there, I was like sobbing with fear. And then the lights came out and the door opened and I bolted out of there boogied down the hall ran straight out the door onto bridge square um there's a little sort of town square right there obviously where the bank is is where they built the town square uh in the 1900s and i just i just cruised out um found a convenient bench and just sat there and shake i was blue dude i was so cold um my, my skin was not it's normal translucent white but i was blue man i was i was really cold uh and my girlfriend came out the door a few minutes later she could see something was crazy off and she came running up put her arms around me are you okay you know what happened what's, what's going on it was all i was all well again you know I was back on planet earth but whew, for a second there man oh i don't know what it was it was terrifying and 
There's no explanation for it. I have no explanation for it. But why the door didn't work, why the lights didn't work, they started working again right away, why it got so cold. Years later, Eric returned to the Scriver building in Northfield. He was looking for answers about what happened to him in the trash room that night. The old bank had been turned into a museum, and Eric found a museum docent willing to answer his questions. So what did you ask her? I asked her to take me around through the museum and like moment by moment, like then the robbers were here and then they went here and held a gun at the person's head and then they let that guy go. And by this point, they were over here in the building. One of the bankers uh, actually did die during the attempted bank robbery. It's kind of a key point. He was murdered in a specific spot within the building. It turned out later that that was the spot where uh, it's kind of a weird, almost a disrespectful irony about it, but that was where our trash and recycling was stored. And, you know, during the wizard apartment building, so there was a trash room. Where Joseph Flier would die was literally where the trash room is. They left the blood on the original bank floor for a long time. Just as they, uh, just as they displayed the robber uh, what's his name? Charlie Pitts, I think, is the guy's name who died. The one of the bad guys, <laughs> the bad guys. I'm talking like it's a movie. Um, one of the one of the gang who who tried to rob the bank died. You know, they left their dead guy behind. That and the 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 blood stain on the floor. The possibility humans are quantum state machines, and maybe the the intensity of anguish and pain of a murdered honest soul like that could leave some sort of imprint in those newly quarried stones um i guess if there's a science behind it it would have to look something like that but we're not close to making those measurements yet man it's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me there's no question about it um i've, I've been in some tight spots as a journalist here and there in the world and i've been in some other tight spots with weather and you know like sailing or surfing where things didn't go quite right or I got a bit far from shore and uh, you start to wonder like how many actual seconds you have left but nothing that ever really scared me in this way I I don't believe in ghosts uh, just just as a general thing um, I'm I, I'm a rationalist You have been listening to Terrifying True Stories. On our next episode, Can Animals Be Possessed? We'll hear from a woman who may have truly had a cat from hell. This episode has been brought to you by 1031-365, because Halloween should be every day. Visit 1031-365.com for exclusive Halloween and horror-related coolness. That's 1031 365.com. I'm your host, Ryan Azevedo. See you on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>